The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, If you're new to our podcast, during the course of spring training, we actually have two of them. We do our Countdown Opening Day show, which airs Saturday, Sunday on our network. We put it out as a podcast on Monday, and then during the week, we like to give you uh, a little something different. Um, That podcast, Countdown to Opening Day, kind of features some of the key players that we expect to be on the opening day roster. This features guys who might win a job, um, some some storylines, some interesting interviews that come during the course of the week. So on the podcast today, uh, you're going to hear from Aki Iwamura. Of course, he was one of the keys to that 2008 World Series team, but he was back in, uh, in, in the... Uh, Port Charlotte area to interview Yoshi and we wanted to chat with him a little bit about what was going on with uh, him coming back and what it was like returning here Um, and then you'll hear from uh, Aaron Loop who uh, many of you know spent several years with the Toronto Blue Jays as a very effective left-handed reliever and now he's here on a non-roster invite trying to win a job. Same goes for Kevin Smith in terms of the catching ranks. We'll hear from him, and we'll also hear from the Rays' minor league pitcher of the year in Joe Ryan about what it means to be in camp and what he hopes to get out of it. But uh, we'll start with uh, a guy who has covered it all and certainly has had an interesting couple weeks here in the Port Charlotte area, and that is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, as we're about a week into games, what has stood out to you? Well, first of all, I think uh, Yoshi Tsutsuko has looked very comfortable. I I think both... uh on the field, in the batter's box, and also in the clubhouse. I mean, he's had some of the better lines. Outside of you, he might be the funniest guy in camp so far. And um, I, I just think his sense of uh, himself and his sense of the situation has been very impressive. I mean, I, I think you know, that's a situation that could be awkward. It could be difficult. Uh, he's made it very easy. So that stood out. I think overall the pitching's been pretty good. I mean, we've seen a couple guys struggle. Shane McClanahan's had a tough go of it. You know, Jose Alvarado in his debut on Wednesday, you know, didn't throw a lot of strikes. But for the most part, the pitching's looked pretty good. I mean, the depth of the pitching staff especially, which is going to be a key part of the season. Uh, You know, as far as offensively, I don't think we've seen all that much. We've seen a couple guys, you know, get some hits the first few games, things like that. But I think overall, everybody seems healthy. There's nobody that's really held back. I mean, Brendan McKay's been a little bit set back, but we're being told it's nothing significant. You know, position player-wise, they all seem to be in pretty good shape. So I think that's really what stood out, that there hasn't been that much that stood out. And, and that's a good thing. And, and you mentioned Yoshi. Um, I mean, people don't realize there's 20-plus media following his every move on a day-by-day basis. It's not easy. And I'd give Oliver Drake the edge over me in terms of humor in that clubhouse. But, I mean, he has had a, a pretty good sense of humor about what's gone on and, and the way he's handled things. Yeah, and, and, you know, maybe what we don't appreciate is that uh, Yoshi is more familiar with that. And, and you know, some of his uh, some of the Japanese media that have been here uh, had covered him previously. Some have been based here in the U.S., so, you know, they're kind of new with him as well. But I think, you know, he doesn't seem overwhelmed by it at all. So maybe it seems a little bit more like a, a spectacle to us, but I think he's used to it. In fact, I remember asking him one of the first days, are you used to having this many people watch your every move? And he kind of smiled and said, yeah, I am. I mean, and so it's very commonplace. I mean, you know, outside of going out with you, I'm not used to being around rock stars. So I think we're all kind of getting a sense of how big a deal he really is. And it doesn't seem to have impacted the players uh, on the other side, too, because it is it is different for them, too. We have to remember it's it's a new cultural experience for Yoshi in terms of the game, but it's a new experience for the Rays in terms of that much attention. Yeah, and I think the fact that he's ingratiated himself with the players, because you're right, that could be a difficult situation. There could be some resentment there. You know, there could be other players wondering, you know, why is someone else getting all the attention or why are there these many reporters every day, things like that, waiting for one guy. Uh, 
but I, I think the fact that he's made uh, such an effort to get along with the players and get comfortable with them. I mean, Willie Adamas was raving about him when we talked to them to Willie after the game on Wednesday. They played third and short, so they played next year for the first time. And Willie was like, man, we're going to have so much fun this year. He's hilarious. They were joking back and forth in Spanish throughout the game. So I think that's part of it. But you're right. That could have been an awkward situation. I think in some other uh, stodgy or clubhouses where they might wear pinstripes, things like that could happen. And, and that is a key part of this, that the race clubhouse is a very unique one. Obviously, you've covered it all the way through, but, um, you know, especially the last – in the Rays era, it's always been a, com- a clubhouse where guys are comfortable being themselves. Yeah, and that goes back, you know, to when Andrew Friedman and, and took over under Stu Sternberg's ownership, when Joe Madden took over as the manager. I mean, that was one of their um, paradigms, was to make it a casual – more comfortable, relaxed clubhouse. And, and that's not to say it doesn't work. I mean, Lou Pinello was very successful as a manager, but, you know, he ran a little bit more of a, a stricter ship. Um, and, and here you hear all the time the players say they're just so relaxed, they're so comfortable, they're encouraged to be themselves. Uh, rookies aren't treated any worse than veterans. It's not like the old days where they made the pregame guy go out and get coffee for the play-by-play guys or things like that. Um, you know, they're all allowed to just kind of be part of the team. And I think that definitely helps them welcome it. Look, you know, we're, we're downplaying the fact that G-Man Choi was new a couple of years ago, and that was a different situation. Mm-hmm. Here was a player who spoke uh, mostly Korean, spoke a little bit of English, had an interpreter, you know, added another layer of things, and, and he's welcome. And now he's one of the funniest and, and most welcoming guys in the clubhouse, and, and I think we're seeing Yoshi Tutsugo headed that direction as well. No doubt. Um, it's certainly an engaging group for the time being. I mean, the real challenge is you know, what do you judge early in, in spring in terms of games? Because guys are getting two at-bats, maybe three. There was a 15-2 game in Sarasota against Baltimore where a rare case where you get four, but guys generally aren't playing every day. It's every other day. They're not matching up against the pitchers. They'll match up against same for pitchers versus hitters. So they're getting their work in. And I think what you said about health is probably the most important thing right now. Yeah, there's just been nothing. There's been no setbacks. There's nothing that's really disrupted their plan. Like I said, maybe McKay is a little behind, but honestly, barring other injuries, I don't think he was going to open the team and with open the big open with the big league team. Try to get all the words out here in early in the morning. Uh, but no, no one else really an issue. Chaz Rowe, you know, came back. He had a knee surgery in December. He's pitched. Seems fine. Uh, Jose Alvarado, though he didn't throw a lot of strikes, you know, he finished the season hurt, and both what he said, what Kevin Cash said, was just having him back out there looking healthy, looking like he, you know, was pitching well again, whether the ball was going in the zone or not. That was what they took away from his debut. So it's really been good. I mean, in competition-wise, there's not that many battles. We've talked about, you know, the backup catcher is probably the true battle. Everything else is going to be more a matter of whether the Rays – uh, how they configure the lineup, whether they go with 12 position, uh, 13 position players, excuse me, or 14 position players to start the season, and thus 13 pitchers are 12. So thus is the bullpen battle for one or two spots. Is there an extra spot on the bench? But the only true position battle that we don't know is who's going to be the other catcher along with Mike Zanino. Right, Kevin Smith did have a, a pretty good day at the plate on Wednesday and has certainly acquitted himself well, but this is going to play out over the next four or five weeks. Um, as we record this podcast, it's before um, – uh, I would say almost a legendary uh, prospect makes his debut in a big league game in Wander Franco. Since you've covered the race since the beginning, have you ever seen this much attention? The race have had number one prospects before, but has there been this much interest level in a kid this young? You know, Josh Hamilton certainly got a lot of hype, uh, and he obviously never made it to the big leagues with the Rays, but, you know, the initial Josh Hamilton and uh, was a pretty big deal. Uh, Delman Young came with a, a legacy of you know being the younger brother of a big leaguer. He was the number one overall pick 
But certainly, uh, the com- you combine the success Wander Franco's had on the field, his age. I mean, he's still as we sit here, you know, today he's eighteen. He turns nineteen on Sunday. Think about that. Think where you were at eight. No, don't think about where you were at eighteen. Never mind. Bad question. But um, you know, you combine the hype, the talent, the social media that we now have. You know, in the world where everyone is more connected, everyone's more aware of things. You know, you can sit here on your computer. We can watch videos of him. You know, all day right now. So, you know, people have I think more awareness. So thus they have more excitement. And the fact that again it hasn't happened yet. But just to think historically, you're going to call Wander Franco's first ever major league at bat in a spring training game. That's right. Um, Not the real one. It is a spring training game, and who knows how far away he is. But, I mean, the stuff that you hear from even Rays players, it's almost like that, you know, the Chuck Norris status where they had these legendary – I remember when, you know – it's you're starting to hear stuff like that, which is very odd to hear from major league guys talking about players who are still in the minors. Yeah, I mean, we both talked uh, over the last couple of days to a couple of raised big leaguers who were down rehabbing in, in Port Charlotte, here in Port Charlotte, uh, last season when Wander Franco was playing for the Class A Stone Crabs, and you know Joey Wendell raved about him, and Brandon Lau raved raved about him, and talking about. You know, like specific things, like Brandon Lau was saying, like he don't, th- he didn't think he saw him not hit a ball on the barrel in the four or five days he was around him. I mean, that's pretty good. And you know, we've seen some of the statistics and you know the strikeout rate, the swing and miss rate. I know, I, I don't know that I have the exact dates, but there was something where he went over a week without swinging and missing at one point in the minor league season last year. I mean, you know, just some remarkable things. So, you know. Look, I asked Willie Adamas about it the other day. That's probably the guy who maybe would be, you'd think, least welcoming of Wonder Franco, given they both play shortstop. And, you know, Willie handled it like a pro. He said it's exciting. I've heard a lot about him. I want to see him play, too. So I think there's a curiosity, and maybe that's the best word amongst the veterans. And, and some of them realize it, and Brandon Lau made a comment about that, too. Like, you know, look, he is great. He's unbelievable talent. But, you know, he hasn't turned 19 yet. Things still have to happen. And I think when you talk to race people, I know you do often, you kind of get that sense, too. They're like, boy, everything's been great so far. But, you know, he's not ready yet. And, you know, there's going to be more money. There's going to be more fame. There's all these things that can derail guys going forward. And, and not that there's any reason to think he won't handle that. But those are all things that have to be addressed as well. No question. It'll be fun to watch, as it will be fun to watch, what goes on the remaining four or five weeks of games for the Rays. Because a lot can happen, as we saw with the Yankees this past week. They had Luis, Luis Severino go down. They had Giancarlo Stanton now. The calf strain. He may not be ready for opening day. So uh, I think the most important thing for the Rays going forward is just another week of health. Yeah, and, and really, there's not a lot of uh, benchmarks, per se. I mean, we're going to keep track of different guys and see how much they pitch and see uh, how often they pitch and see what they do And uh, as they go forward. Uh, the position players, they'll start getting more at-bats. We'll see some guys get moved around a little bit. So there's a couple different things we're going to see, but I don't think anything you know outside of an injury where you're going to have a point of demarcation. Now, when you get to the last week, 10 days of games, then you start seeing the cuts, then you start noticing – huh, so-and-so's played X amount of days in a row, or now so-and-so is only catching so-and-so, or this guy's getting used more. I mean, you made the observation the other day, Lucius Fox played center field for the first time. Now, in the first week of spring training games, that's an interesting thing. If something like that were to happen in the last week of spring training games, then you're like, whoa, there's something going on here. Exactly. Well, we'll be watching for it, Mark. Enjoy, and we'll talk to you next week. Can't wait, Neil. You know it's always the highlight. We certainly appreciate Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. And one of the things that we touched on was the fact that, you know, Yoshi uh, is 
here and obviously getting a lot of media attention with uh, 20 media members generally following him around on a daily basis. Um, and one of them uh, this past week was Aki Iwamura, who, of course, is a former race player. He played in Japan, managed in Japan, and now he's part of the media in Japan. So I asked Aki through his uh, translator, Brad Lefton, uh, what it meant to be back. It makes me really happy to be back here. It feels really good. You went through this. What will be the hardest part for Yoshi? Will it be the baseball or the cultural changes? So the most important thing for baseball is to get adjusted to the lifestyle, right? So once you get comfortable with the lifestyle, that helps you with your adjustments to baseball. So first and foremost is adapting to the American culture, the Florida lifestyle, and then that will help adjust to baseball. You remember the Rays clubhouse culture. How much will that help him adjust? I don't think that's going to be a real issue for him because he had an experience in the Dominican Winter League, so he's already had this kind of international experience, and he really he really adjusted and reacted to that experience really well. So coming to the, uh, the clubhouse here, he'll be able to use that experience, and I, and I don't think that'll be a problem at all for him. And the pitching, what's the biggest difference in terms of the pitching here versus Japan? Well, the, from a pitching standpoint, it's the, the, the movement on the ball, so the change-up and the two-seam. That's, that's going to be tough from a pitching standpoint. And the strike zone, you have to get adjusted to the strike zone. The, the strike zone is a little bit different here than it is in Japan. And when you were playing, could you have seen yourself doing this? Interviews? Broadcasting? <laughs> Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm really glad to be here. It's really fun to be able to come back. But the thing that I want most of all is to see the Rays become a world champion. For both of us, that ho- let's hope that happens. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you. Great stuff from Aki Wamura, and hopefully he's right about uh, the Rays winning some sort of championship with Yoshi on hand. Now, uh, there still are a couple of roster spots to be determined. The uh, final spots in the bullpen, assuming health, uh, would be one of them. And I would think that Aaron Loop gets some consideration. I mean, this is a guy who has nearly 400 big league appearances, the majority of those in the American League East. And he also has a sub-2 ERA lifetime at Tropicana Field, which was one of the things he told me that drew him to Tampa Bay. I've always wanted to play here. Um, I've always pitched good here at the Trop, um, and for whatever reason, you can ask anybody if if I had one place to play for some reason to be Tampa. You know, I just I guess being in Dunedin for so long and then playing in Division so long, I, I love the area. Like I said, I've always always pitched well in the Trop, so and uh, you guys always seem like you had fun on the other side over there. So it was something I always wanted to be a part of. How is your health, and what did you actually go through last year? 
Uh, my health's good right now. I feel really good. Um, <clears throat> what had happened, I had, I had strained my flexor again at the beginning of last year, uh, which was, I think, the, the third time I had done it. <clears throat> so what it, I just had some dead tissue, and it wasn't allowing it to heal completely. So I went in, got that cleaned out, got it injected, and <clears throat> got it 100% healthy, you know, and, and ready to go. So is that one of those PRP injections, or what What you said in inject? Yeah, it was a, uh, I don't think it was PRP. I think it uh, would it end up being. I think it was amniotic fluid, but same same concept, you know. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it feels really good right now. Like, I'm back to, to normal for me, and which is something I'm, I'm looking forward to. So was the off-season a normal off-season for you, or did you still have to do some rehab, and, and how normal does it now feel? Because you didn't, I mean, you got off to a great start last year with the Phillies and then weren't able to pitch, unfortunately. Oh uh, yeah, no. It's uh, I had a normal off season because I was trying to get back to, to pitch at the end of last year, and I was pretty close. We had a like I think a, a little setback, which kind of pushed us back a little bit. But uh, so I would have been able to pitch the last week, so I was ready. But it just you know it didn't make sense. The team was out of it, roster situation. But uh, so at that point we just shut it down. And yeah, I had a normal off season. Everything feels good. Feels healthy. Like I said, I feel. I feel back to normal for myself, which is which is a good place for me. Having watched you and seen you so effective, I have to ask: When did you start throwing the way you did, and how did it come about? The arm angle and everything. Uh, they dropped me down in 2011. I used to be I, w I was over the top, but not like complete. I was probably like a mid high three quarter slot guy, and uh, for whatever reason, I kept getting impingements in my shoulder, and my stuff just for whatever reason it went away. But and it wasn't good. So they came in one day and they were like, hey, you know, what you're doing is not working. You ever try throwing sidearm? I was like, yeah, yeah, I play around with it, playing catch and stuff, but I never actually did it. And we kind of mess around with it then, and they just kind of took off from there. And, and you were probably one of the more durable relievers in the league, too, at, at one stretch with Toronto. I mean, you were a 70-appearance guy all the time. Yeah, the first three, four years of my career, yeah, I was mid-60s, 70s game, you know, that's something I'd, I'd prided myself on for a while is taking the ball whenever they needed me to. And uh, getting hurt, hopefully, you know, we, we got that, that fixed and we can get back to those those days. You um, obviously have been effective in a lot of different ways, versus lefties, versus, versus both. What are you hoping to learn from this organization? Because, as you know, they're, they're pretty analytical, but pretty old school, too. Uh, really anything. Because, uh, like you said, like they're, they're ahead of the curve in, in most ways when it comes to pitching. And I've noticed that playing against them across. So it's something I always wanted to, like you said, take part in to where, because I'm all for the information. Like, give it to me. I might not use it. I'm going to find what works for me and, and apply that. But I'm open to any and all things. Like, I want I want to be able to, to soak in, whether it's mechanically, whether it's how to attack hitters, strategy, percentage-wise, numbers, whatever you got, give it to me, and I'm, I'll figure out how to use it the best way I can. As a guy who spent so many springs in Dunedin, um, you can't do any hunting or fishing there. You can down here. Have you gotten out yet during any after workouts? Uh, not yet. I've, I've been meaning to. I'm a big I'm a big fishing guy, and I, I did a little bit in Dunedin. There's there's a few good places down there, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting out there and, and throwing a few lines in the water. And at least going into action on uh, Thursday, Aaron Loop actually had looked pretty good in his side sessions and also very sharp uh, in the game that he had pitched. Um, 
In addition to figuring out bullpen spots, the final couple, uh, one thing still to be determined is uh, the catching situation. I think everyone expects Mike Zanino to be on the roster opening day, and there's a good chance Michael Perez will make it, but there's also a chance that either Chris Herman or Kevin Smith will win a job. And uh, when it comes to quarterbacking uh, a pitching staff, Kevin Smith knows something about that. Kevin, who's played for the Angels and the White Sox, uh, used to be a quarterback at the collegiate level at the University of Pittsburgh. In fact, he actually got to play as a freshman and uh, surpassed the record for yards in a game by a freshman, set originally by Dan Marino at that school. So uh, some pretty elite company. And I asked Kevin what that whole experience was like and how it benefited him. It was definitely a big learning process. Um, for sure matured me uh, in many ways, physically and mentally. Um, obviously physically working out. With a Division One football club, obviously got big, stronger, faster. But mentally, you're playing in front of 90, 100,000 uh, uh, crowd stadiums. So um, you obviously get thrown right into the fire. You face a lot of adversity. You face a lot of criticism. Um, so that was a that was great for me to 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 dive right into it, and it, and it transitioned really well um, into professional baseball. Um, being a quarterback, obviously you're analyzing defenses, trying to find tendencies, um, constantly trying to get that upper edge. And that's kind of what you do as a catcher. You know, as you're calling a game, uh, you're looking at hitters, trying to figure out what they're doing, uh, just trying to get that competitive edge to help your pitcher get through that game. So um, a lot of things translated, but there was certainly a lot of challenges that I went through making that decision and experiencing that. But um, obviously, I, I think it me as a player, as a person, and um, in the end, I, I think it's a big reason why I've made it this far and uh, why I keep going. So, the big difference watching from afar is that mm. the quarterback always seems to get probably either too much credit or too much blame a lot of times, oh, whereas sure. with a catcher, you're kind of more trying to nurse that pitcher and give right. get them in a yeah, position. Yeah, no, I mean, as a quarterback, you're either you're the hero or you know the guy everybody wants to blame uh, that loss for. I mean, I had hate groups about me I had I mean I that was right when social media started getting big so you know everybody had an opinion everybody was able to do what they could and it 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 was difficult as a as a young man trying to stay away from that stuff and you try to stay away from the uh, the criticism but it's just a big part of any sports nowadays so um but going in to baseball spotlight is still on you I mean you're still obviously in every picture you have the ball in your hand every play but um, my main focus is to get that pitcher through the game obviously I mean whenever he gives up runs it may not be his fault it may have been you know a squibber it may have been maybe he didn't get the right call or maybe I didn't catch a ball right for him or whatever it may be Um, it's a team sport just like football it's a team sport but there's always going to be that one guy that gets the blame and um, definitely switched a little bit with baseball but that's still my responsibility and my job and when those guys give up runs um i feel the i feel the same heat so well i would think also being you know how a starting pitcher feels because they're kind of a center of attention right. role where yeah. you can kind of relate and help boost them up too. oh yeah for sure I'm, I'm doing everything i can and every guy in here is very different men, uh, mentally physically um they're obviously certain guys are more athletes than others so you just kind of got to work around and get to know uh, get to know them as much as you can that's my my role right now is just trying to get the get to know these guys as fast as I can you know just across the board of how they take criticism what what it takes to pump them up each game um, and just what I need to say to them out on the mound or in between dugout or uh, in between innings in the dugout it's just a matter of um, working with each guy and understanding what 
what makes each of them click. And uh, the faster we can accomplish that, the more wins you're going to see. So, How did you end up picking Tampa Bay uh, this time around? Because yeah. you, you were with the Angels last year. You had to learn a new staff there. Yeah, for sure. And we were rolling over there. I thought we, talk, we took a lot of great strides um, towards the end of the year, uh, built a lot of great relationships over there. But um, it was kind of an eye-opener experience this offseason. Thought I was solidified over there um, just with – I thought I did pretty well and um, find yourself in the free agent market with a lot of guys. And – we took it as a blessing in disguise to get back on the East Coast because I'm from Pennsylvania, and uh, Tampa right out the gate was very interested. And I've always played these guys um, through the minors and in the big leagues, and always had a always seemed like a great group of guys. Always, you know, um, I had a couple guys come through this organization and say they loved it. Um, so it definitely uh, sparked my interest immediately. And. They said all the right things, um, just really liked a lot of the things that I did, loved that I could hit the ball, um, but also were able to take out a lot of the factors that maybe affected my numbers as a catcher. Um, and, you know, it was just an eye-opening thing from a team to be able to dig that deep into statistics and really pull things that I really couldn't control out of it, like other teams maybe weren't. So, um, you know, talk to... Talked to Cashy, talked to Hoove, uh, loved everybody here, and just felt like it was a great fit. And I mean, we're two weeks in now, and it feels it feels like I've been here for a long time. So um, they're very welcoming, uh, just great guys. They, I think they've done a great job of building a awesome culture here, and um, we're just going to roll with it. So, not to knock the staffs in Anaheim or Chicago, but how good from what you've seen in two weeks yeah. and watching from afar has this one been? As excuse me, how good has this staff been? Oh, just. On a level of understanding that this is a professional environment and, you know, not treating you like your adolescence, treating you like a professional, treating you like we're here for you and whatever you need to get better at, we're going to be here and we're going to help you with it. So um, I feel like it's everybody's responsibility in here to, to get what you need and get what you need to do and work your butt off at what you feel like you need to get better at. And obviously they're there to help. They're there to uh, give their input. I think everybody here as a staff is on the same page with what everybody needs to work on, and there's no, there's no uh, like, like tension amongst front office or statistical guys or even you know actual staff on the uh, team here. So um, I, I think they do a great job of communicating between players and staff and just understanding that the statistics is there for us to use as a tool, and also understand that there is a human element to baseball and that we can't get caught up in it, but we can understand, you know, what are these guys doing at certain times when they're their best and what, what are they doing when they're not, you know? So um, it's, just a, it's just a solid organization on that aspect. So. And I was referring, actually, to the pitching staff, the talent level of this group, because you've got to, you only caught them for two weeks, but how good is it? Oh, man, I mean, amazing. Just electric, um, just power arms. Just I love the mentality of attacking and filling up the zone. Um, and just going after hitters. I mean, even hitting against Tampa throughout my career, I knew they were coming after me. I mean, faced Charlie last year. I mean, we knew Charlie was going to come after us. And it's a, it's a eerie feeling in the box knowing that he's not going to dance around you and he's going to come at you with his best stuff. And there's a ton of guys in this locker room that have that ability. And um, we just need to try to get it as consistent as possible and do everything we can do as a catching staff to help them out and uh, bring the best out of them. So, you mentioned they kind of looked under the hood at your defensive numbers. Oh, yeah. What are the things that they're trying to help you just to take even no, another step no, for forward? Sure. And I would say just honing in on like receiving techniques, working with Z, 
um, just really dialing in on what what that aspect is. Because, I mean, this offseason was eye-opening for me on the fact of I've always hit and I've always kind of banked off hitting. And I always knew I was a middle-of-the-road middle catcher. I mean, I was never elite, but I knew I held my own and could get guys through games. And um, this offseason was more of like all statistics when it came to like your your catching metrics like nobody cared about your hitting and it was like an eye-opening experience on the fact of like don't don't you need runs to win games but then everyone's turned into no we need to prevent runs to win games but certain teams have certain mentalities um and like i said with tampa they came in and was like listen i know there's teams knocking you for your catcher's metrics but we're able to take those x factors out that maybe somebody else was affecting you and we were able to factor in what you did very well and we're really happy with what you did and um you compliment z really well and it was just all sorts of different things that they were able to present to me that you know really made me feel like like they understood me as a player as a person um and just knew what i needed to get better at and i think it's going to be on the receiving end it's going to be on the on the catch and throw end um but I'm just anxious to get into the season and really, really work with Hoove. And I mean, there's there's so many former catchers in this organization that you can always pick their brain and um, just pick up as much as you can. Great stuff from Kevin Smith, who uh, at least at the plate is off to a pretty good start. And I think he's done a pretty good job behind it as well as he competes with Michael Perez for that second uh, catching spot, along with Chris Herman. Uh, now, I don't think that at least to start the year, Joe Ryan is going to make the big league club, but he certainly is very intriguing as a guy who was the minor league pitcher of the year for the Rays. I mean, here's someone who struck out more than 180 batters in just over 120 innings. And really beyond that, he's just a very unique personality. Um, and I had a chance to sit down with Joe this past week and asked him what the invite to big league spring training for the first time meant. Take it day by day, learn as much as I can, and keep that same mindset I've had last year and uh, through the off season and just learning from the guys around me. It's, it's all cliches that you, you want to hear, but it's all true here. Uh, just learning from all the coaches and all the guys around me, the veteran guys. and um, I mean, everyone's been so helpful and taking me in already. and It just feels like it's meant to be and a good spot to be at. I know you're kind of a voracious learner in terms of digesting stuff so are you one who just sits and watches or are you one who asks questions and who have you asked a lot of questions of already oh no i'm definitely asking questions i mean anyone any of them around uh i mean honeywell has been great just uh really helped me like being there like in play catch watching me it's it's pretty funny too just he's a character and obviously an outstanding pitcher and great mind too but i'm glass now just his work ethic is something good to 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 work around and Shadow, you could say. Um, I, I think there's a lot of similarities there. So learn from him, and then obviously you got Charlie Morton there, who's a legend in his own, and um, just a great human as well. Super nice, and uh, it's definitely helped me out. And just talking to me and picking my, picking his brain quite a bit, so it's good. You shared uh, with Tyler your love for. He's a Joe Rogan fan too. Yeah, I I, I lightly mentioned that they mic'd me up day one, so I used the intro of "Welcome to the Joe Ryan Experience." Uh, Train by day, Joe Ryan podcast by night, all day. A little Nick Diaz shout out, but yeah. So um, no, that's. I mean, I, we'll we'll probably chat a little more as this goes on. Hopefully, be on the same team eventually this year. So, have you? Um, what if? What kind of stuff did you listen read in the off season? Because I know you're trying to like. Yeah. Um, honest. So I do. I don't know. Just drive every day. It's like an hour, hour and a half some days, and uh, there and back. So three hours in the car gave me some good time to spend with Joe Rogan and really uh, dive in on his podcast with it's like Matthew Walker is a great one on sleep that came out I think a year or two ago but I would dive back in listen to that and then some 
exciting ones. Tulsi Gabbert and Jocko Willings one with him was great. And um, I think even the one with Bernie Sanders, I don't, I don't want to get into politics here, but it was just good with to hear like someone, um, people that are running for pretty important position have like, a long form to be able to talk about real issues and not get cut off. And um, you could really see their opinions, which is exciting. Whether Whatever you believe or not, it was just it was great to, to hear that. And um, I think he's said it a couple of times where the, the podcast is getting pretty powerful and his, uh, his voice is carrying a lot of weight now. And I don't know how fun that is for that man anymore. I don't know him personally. I, I was cool though, meeting some people that were uh, closer with him and learning like about just like the ins and outs and how like real that podcast is. So it's cool. And for you, you grew up, your, your dad was what an ultra marathon yeah, hike. So, so yeah. So dad was just outside all the time. I mean, it's kind of cool. I grew up, I'm fourth generation from Marin, so it was cool. We were at my great uncle's house uh, a year or two ago, and we were looking at some pictures, and it was like showing the the county almost in this picture, and you could just, so small, and everything is like open hills, and now it's getting a little more built up, so not as not as nice as it once was, but it's good for to have my dad there to show me around the old spots like to pick me up from school when I was in elementary school and we'd go and uh, catch snakes up in the hills and mess around and go fishing and stuff so it's exciting to be able to do that. Do you think that exposure from I mean hiking marathon running water polo you played do you think it made it easier for you to fall in love with baseball rather than get burned down on it early on? Exactly yeah there's more of a push for hey, you got to go to swim practice today and drag me to the pool. Or like, hey, we're going to go on a run. And like, I would hate that stuff. And I got burned out on running. And I was all, there's a lot of pushback there. But with baseball, it was always like, hey, I get to go play. And he made it fun. And he was coaching me the whole time, too. So it was a cool transition there. Would be, I'd be throwing a fit about some long run I was on and be burnt out and then go home, eat some food, and then be stoked to go to baseball practice with him and like do that. So it was, um, it was pretty cool to have that transition. Now it's the opposite. Now I enjoy enjoy the runs, and I'm like, hey, no, we don't need to go play baseball right now. I'm burnt out for the day. So, Cross training-wise, how much extra stuff, and how much have you changed your body, let's say, since the end of last season? Um, a lot. I think the biggest thing is, like, that running and the swimming got me in my quads a lot for a long period of time, and I relied on that upper body strength and water polo to kind of get me through. And so learning a lot more about activating the posterior chain and getting my glutes more and, like, utilizing that horsepower I have down there is exciting for me because it's untapped potential and um, I think it's just it's something to work on last time I were really getting into that the other day with him being at his swimming background as well he mentioned and so like being in his quads and um, figuring out how to get into those get into your lower legs and you pick up a lot of velocity with that and I can already feel like the arm is moving a little better some of the uh, my, my trainer this offseason was big into Muay Thai and um, different martial arts so using that mindset and building better movement patterns and movement quality was really good and speaking of the pitching wise I know we also talked in the past about you learned a cutter from Hunter Wood and Jose yeah. Alvarado do you have any kind of new things that you're working tinkering with among your pitches um, yeah the guys with CAA the agency I'm with now is outstanding they had a great group of guys a ton of special big league talent down there that we were working out with and helped me with my off speed and just honing my mechanics and Get everything down and keeping it simple um, it was a great group to be around. So, getting to work on my changeup and my slider and really add those in, and getting to 
work with the analytics staff here now and having them see that as exciting and get to do some fun things there. Certainly appreciate the time of one Joe Ryan and all of our guests on our podcast today, that being Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, Aki Iwamura, along with Aaron Loop, Kevin Smith, and Joe Ryan. Uh, on our upcoming uh, countdown opening day show, you're going to hear from Rodney Lenoris and Willie Adamas. That is Saturday and Sunday, and then it'll be a podcast on Monday. Of course, uh, a lot of the interviews that we ran also are part of our features on our blog, raiseradio.mlblogs.com, and we put up daily content, at least two, if not three blogs each day. So uh, you can look over there and also look on our Twitter account, at Neil Solons or at Raise Radio, to follow the latest from spring training. Thanks again for being with us. And we will talk with you soon. 